With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, uh, this is Henry from the future, like post recording this podcast, Henry, back because I forgot a very, very important note. Actually, three notes. Taylor Korniak, you'll remember, friend of the pod, uh, was named first team All-Pac-12 in soccer today. And I did not mention that. J.J. Tompkins, the goalkeeper, named second team All-Pac-12. And Tessa Barton, the forward, the freshman, made it to the All-Pac-12 freshman team. And I just realized I didn't shout any of that out, and I definitely should have. So uh, there's that info. Here's the rest of the podcast, which honestly got a little bit weird. Running the option on first down. McKinley Wright What's up, everybody? Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm. I'm your host, and it's just going to be me talking at you for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes, hour. We'll see how things go. Um, Before we dig into a bunch of things that I have planned for today, uh, I want to tell you about Drift Car Sharing, which is an awesome service, a service that I am really hoping I get to take advantage of in the next couple of days. You guys all know if you've been listening to the podcast, I'm going back to Montana this weekend. Um, Some buffs things happened and I had to shift all of my travel plans. I don't get to go to the soccer game, which is disappointing. With all the shifting, I thought maybe there was a chance, but the timing just doesn't work. Um, The point is, I'm actually headed out tomorrow instead of today. And that gives me one more day to try to clean out my car well enough so that I can rent it out with drift car sharing. Um, if all goes well, I'll be dropping my car off at the lot at the Denver International Airport tomorrow and they'll rent my car out and I will be saving like it'll, it'll be like a net gain of 50 bucks a day probably between me not paying for parking and me actually getting money for letting them rent my car out to people who are flying into Denver. Bad news is I I I really need to clean that thing. Um, I'm not really sure how much they're willing to accept me asking them to clean when I drop it off. But like things like I, I keep my golf clubs in my car because I have a small apartment. I'm, I, I don't really need to be wasting room on things like golf clubs. I don't have a lot of storage. Um, I'm a minimalist. If, actually, this is kind of a weird detail, but I have a mattress... I don't have a bed yet. Ever since I moved here, I still just haven't had time to get to Ikea and get a bed and then assemble a bed. So, like, the the furniture here isn't excessive by any means, and I can't really waste storage space on things like golf clubs. Also, I have a bag of, like, 30 hats that I still haven't unpacked from moving here from Montana in May. Uh, A couple other things. I can't even remember. I think I might even have, like, a vacuum in there because I had two vacuums. I haven't found myself in a vacuuming situation, but it's just like some stuff in the back of my car and at space in my car that I rarely need. Um, yeah. And with everything that's happened in the last couple days, I haven't had time to clean my car out and get it to drift. I am 
going to do my best to make this happen because I can't afford to be wasting this kind of money. Um, this has gone a weird way, but drift car sharing is an excellent, excellent service for people like me who like money and would like more of it and to spend less of it. It just takes a, a, a smidge of responsibility being able to plan ahead to get to the airport 15 minutes earlier than normal to drop your car off and uh, also have it in like decent shape. I bet they would clean it. I just have to get the junk out. Um, but how, how it would work though is I drop my car off. They would clean it, rent it out, and I'd get on like a five-minute shuttle over to the airport. And uh, then when I come back, my car is right where I left it. And it's like nothing ever happened, but they rented it out and insured it so it's all safe and gave me money for it. Uh, this has been a long plug for drift car sharing, but I'm in kind of a frantic spot. I pounded a coffee so I'd be interesting today, and uh, we're off to a weird start, which is what we're shooting for. One of the reasons that, oh, I should say, drivedrift.com will have more information on all of this, including the important details and uh, they won't make you listen for three minutes um, to things that aren't relevant. But one of the reasons that I haven't had quite as much time as I would like to to uh, get that done, get a whole bunch of writing done, I'm like backed up on stories. I have like three things I'm really excited to write. Um, but things pop up, including the announcement yesterday that uh, Ralphie Five is retiring. I'm not sure if that's I think it's 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 sad news in some ways. It's good news in other ways. Um I don't know. I don't know. There's there's like a whole bunch of emotions that I personally am sorting through. Um you know, it's it's going to be weird not having Ralphie 5 around. She's obviously the only Ralphie I have ever known, uh having only been to Folsom like 5 times in my life. And, you know, she was there for all of them except for the Grateful Dead concert, Dead and Company concert. People get mad when you flip those around. Um, yeah, it's weird. She was like my first Ralphie seeing her run. You know, I always, before games, went over to her trailer and watched him unload her and like kind of hung out with her down on the field. Like, because cause before, they, before they run Ralphie, um, let's not tell the story backwards. Let's tell the story forwards. So here's what happens. They put her in her trailer. They back the trailer down and she just kind of waits over there in the trailer on the, let's see, that would be the North. I'm terrible at directions. Uh, that'd be the Northwest corner of the field. And she kind of sits there in the trailer for probably like 10 minutes. And then they unload her after the national anthem. And then they kind of like unload her into a little pen that they can pick up. It's like a fence that isn't attached to the ground. So they just like carry the fence with her in it. She like walks with them as they move the fence uh, over to the northeast corner, which is where the team runs out. And she waits there for five more minutes. And then it's time to run, which you guys have all seen. But in that time when she's down in the trailer on the field, I always like to go over there and just like look inside and she'd just be like peeking out with her big buffalo eyes and I don't know it, it was just nice I, I like Ralphie I think most of us do like Ralphie um lots of good memories it's weird that it's kind of the end I mean it is the end the last time the last public appearance for Ralphie will be before the Washington game um she won't be running but she will be out in public for anybody who wants to say goodbye which is kind of sad um by all accounts though she's in great health she actually is faster than she was in the past and that's why they need to be more particular in making sure that she is perfectly prepared to go she isn't too amped up she's you know what you need the buffalo to be she's still a wild animal sure she's very well trained and kind of a sweetheart but you know, also a buffalo. Uh, yeah, so since she is the biggest and the fastest Ralphie that they've ever had, and she's gotten bigger and faster over the years and is still getting faster, it's kind of been a struggle the last couple times. It was interesting talking to uh, the, the manager of the Ralphie program who said in the press conference yesterday that uh, she 
she's just been too excited to run. She just likes running so much that as soon as they get her down on the field, as soon as they like carry the pen over, she gets really excited and she's just like rearing to go. And they they have their cues that they give her, things that they've trained her. So she kind of knows, okay, we're just standing here. We're standing in the pen. We're waiting. They're doing the countdown. Got to get the team out here and they'll be ready to go. And so they give her like cues that let her know, hey, we're 30 seconds away. And and it's just like, you know, in the way that animals are trained, they see that and they get that that means that this is going on. Um, And she hasn't been taking as well to those cues. She's too excited. She's too ready to go too early. She's, you know, I was down on the field before that USC game, as always, kind of just following Ralphie around for that five, 10 minutes, because that's the most interesting part of that five, 10 minutes, just looking at the Buffalo. Um, and she was kicking pretty hard. Uh, apparently the same thing was happening at the Friday practice. They practice the run every Friday before Saturday games on the field. So, you know, just make sure everything goes right. But before the Stanford game, she was a little bit out of control and you kind of realized that this has just been a little bit too much and it's time for her to retire. Um, which is too bad. You know, that USC game, she's kicking around and they have to take her up off the field. They didn't do the run then either. Um, it's just kind of sad that, that that that's why it all has to stop because she's so excited to run that now she can't run anymore. Um, I, like I said, there was a press conference yesterday. We got to hear all about it. I had a bunch of questions, mostly because I'm really curious about how all this works and how many opportunities do you get to just like talk about talk about what life is like for a buffalo what's a happy retirement for a buffalo um it's just such a weird question that i want to spend as much time talking about it as i can um so ralphie she will probably live another 10 years she's in great health obviously getting bigger faster stronger um That'd be the guess. I, she's 13 now. She's been running for 12 years. Uh, the last Ralphie, Ralphie 4, lived for about 10 years after she retired. Um, and that means she's out on the ranch. Uh, she has toys. She has big traffic cones, like the big wide ones. As John Graves, the manager of the Ralphie program, said, those are the ones you don't want to hit, like the big wide ones on the freeway. Like I don't even know how to explain them. They're like cylinders. Um, she likes to run into those. It sounds adorable. Uh, I wish I could go watch. Um, the city of Boulder donates the brushes from sweet sw- or street sweepers so she can rub up against those and she'll run around and she'll play. And um, I asked, like, is she going to, like, if she likes running so much, are you guys going to, like, run her around or something? Are you guys going to be out there? And he said, yeah, don't worry. She's getting enough attention. We'll, we'll all be out there taking care of her, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's what the next 10 years is. So like happy for Ralphie to have the life she does. This is such a weird segment. It was so weird yesterday when I had to make the decision, do I stick around a couple more hours up in Boulder to go to a press conference about a Buffalo or do I go home and talk about football, write about football? That's what makes Boulder so cool though. Uh, having Ralphie, having that part of the culture, Oh, yeah, went to a press conference for a Buffalo. Put that on my resume. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it seems like she's going, she's doing well. She's going to do well. Last chance you guys will get to see this Ralphie, who's been running since I want to say was it two thousand seven, the first run. I I did finally see the video of her getting loose on the field in her first ever run, um, in in the spring game. Luckily, there was nobody down on the field, and she was a little bit smaller then. And and everybody got like like the Ralphie handlers all have their ropes that they hold on to. She was able to lose all but one of them, and then they were able to like wrestle her and catch her back up and get her into the truck. I don't know. She was wild. She's been like the feistiest Ralphie, and that I guess is kind of what means that it's time for her to be done. Uh. Yeah, but she'll she'll be out there. She'll be you can go take pictures, all that kind of stuff. I don't you don't get to touch her because again, Buffalo, but it'll be pretty cool. I'm excited to go see her. Um, yeah, 
I think that, oh, we should say there will be another Ralphie. There will be a Ralphie 6. Uh, it sounds like uh, John Graves, the like I said, the manager of the program, uh, has identified a few potential Ralphies who could be on the way, um, and they're going to go meet them, I guess, is the way to say. I'm not really sure. I, I asked, like, are you going to, like, run them? And he said, no, we're not going to do that, but we will go... Like, see what their personalities like, see what they look like, make sure they have good joints, like they're, you know, a nice, sturdy buffalo, and hopefully get one of those figured out pretty soon, get them trained. Every Ralphie takes a different amount of time to be trained. It kind of depends, again, on the personality. Um, and again, they have to find the right Ralphie, so it might not be the quickest process. He does hope to have a Ralphie by next season, but nothing is guaranteed. Uh, I think somebody said at the very least they'd like to have like maybe a Ralphie out in the pen on the field just to be there uh, before the games, even if he isn't ready to run. By all, it sounds like the goal is to get a Ralphie ready to run, but again, the process of training a buffalo not an easy one. Uh, I oh I I was also curious whether there would be. Whether they wanted another big, fast Ralphie, like Ralphie 5, or if they wanted to kind of tone it down a little bit, because most of the Ralphies have been smaller and lighter. All of the Ralphies have been, but he said that when they get the Buffalo so young, they're typically like one when they get them. You don't know how big or fast that Ralphie's going to be, that Buffalo is going to be. And so it's kind of just random what happens. Um, which I thought was interesting. The whole process of the Ralphie program is super interesting. Um, and thank goodness this happened in a bye week when we can give Ralphie the time she deserves and the next Ralphie will deserve to, you know, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I think that that's pretty much all we have to say about Ralphie. Um, all right. Also, should say, I, th I think Silverbuff donated like 12 bucks or something because Ralphie ran for 12 years to the Ralphie program. The Ralphie program is entirely funded by donors. And I, I think last update was like a, a bunch of other people had joined in and they were up to like $300 just from Silverbuff's tweet. So if you guys want to give some money to the Ralphie program, I know they would really appreciate that. They just got a new trailer this year because of what the donors gave them. More spacious, more padded. Um, Ralphie deserves the best. So let's make sure we're doing all we can to support her. This is a great time for that. And um, let me know. Let me know. Let Silverbuff know if, if you're giving to Ralphie. Uh, okay. Enough talk about animals, probably, uh, which is tough for me to say, to be honest. I think if you guys listened to the draft pod yesterday, you know, like, I'm an animal guy. I, uh, I'm a zoo member. If anybody wants to go to the zoo, nobody ever wants to take me to the zoo, which is kind of disappointing because I got the pass that lets me bring a guest. Like, I get to get in free, and whoever I pick to bring with me also gets in free, but... Nobody ever wants to go to the zoo with me. Uh, yeah. Also, I have like zoo lights tickets at a discount. So hit me up. Um, let's go. <laughs> maybe maybe we can go like make a group trip to the zoo. I don't know. This is weird. We're gonna talk football, but first we are going to talk about one of my favorite beers, a Colorado classic, the Avalanche Ale from Breckenridge Brewery. Again, like like the whole thing about Breckenridge Brewery is like, sure, they they have their own unique beers. Like you're not going to find anything like the Strawberry Sky, anything else, the Holiday Ale, the Christmas Ale, which I'm still confident are two different things. But they also make all the beers that you like, but better. And that's the best part. So like the Avalanche Ale is just your classic American Amber Ale. Like you can get a cheap Coors, you can get a cheap whatever, but it just isn't the same. They just make it at a higher quality. So if you like just your classic American amber ale, check out the Avalanche because they do the same thing. They just do it better. And I think that that's like a good entry beer into 
the Breckenridge world. Like we, we always talk about at DNVR, like creating this own universe, like creating content that kind of flows together. Like here's our graphic theme. We're going to use that and people are going to see it and they're going to be like, oh yeah, that's them. And you can see them using the same thing all over and having the same like kind of identity that everything builds off of. And we create our own little world and Breckenridge does a great job of that as well. And I think that that's one of the reasons we get along with them so well is that we both see things through the same lens where it's like, we just want people to come to us and see what we are because we feel like once we get people to see what we are, they won't go anywhere else. And that's exactly what Breckenridge does as well. You know, if you want the Coors, you you go try the Avalanche. You, you, you like the whatever, you go check whatever the Breckenridge version of that is, where it's the IPA or the, the lager or the vanilla Porter Jr. My favorite. I, I, we're starting to get into vanilla Porter Jr. That's a reference to Michael Porter Jr. Breckenridge has the vanilla Porter. The Nuggets guys call it vanilla Porter Jr. And I, I'll forget that it's not actually the name of the beer and just say it that way. But but the way to get into this and see how everything works has to start with the Avalanche. That's where you just taste a beer and you're like, this is a beer. This is the type of beer that I've grown up drinking. Well, I don't know. You, you start at a reasonable age. You haven't grown up, but your, your beer drinking life began with a, a beer like the Avalanche. And that's what you can take and be like, okay, this is a good beer. And then you explore off of that one. Um, that's how I see the Avalanche. And hopefully you guys will check it out. Um, it's like their flagship beer and it's awesome. So check them out. If you don't know where to find it, use their beer locator. They're in 36 states. You can find it wherever you want. If you just put in your zip code and which beer you want, and there are so many options, it will tell you where the nearest place is. Um, yeah, just, just check it out. I cannot recommend them enough because they're, it's good beer, good people. Awesome. Awesome to work with them. Um, also, I would like to tell you about Vita Mobile IV. Um, so here's how this works. I don't. I, I was hoping I'd have something really creative to say. We'll see where this goes. Um, basically, you drink too much. Like I plan on this weekend when I'm back in Montana. Uh, haven't flexed this enough, but my Montana Grizzlies are the fourth-ranked FCS team in the country, and they are hosting the third-ranked FCS team in the country, at Washington Grizzly Stadium, in the cold, in front of 26,000 fans, and it's going to be incredible. The best part is that it's me going back with my friends, and I get to like go to a college football game as a fan for the first time in years, and I couldn't be more excited. And I think that there's a good chance that I am going to be wishing that Vita Mobile IV was in Montana. Honestly, the game's on Saturday. I get back Monday. I might just need to get something set up for Monday. I might still be feeling that football game. Um, and, and that's something that we are lucky to have here. Also like cheap Ubers, also uh, multiple choices. If you want like pizza or burgers or like, I guess like, you can just go places and get uh, Indian food. Like that's just a thing you can do here. Not any of those are things in Montana, but here you also have the opportunity to use a service like Vita Mobile IV where they come to you. It takes 30 minutes. They just hook you up to some machine. They put something in you through that machine. And then all of a sudden, like magic, you feel better. You feel like you've never made a bad decision in your life. Um, it just purifies you. And you should check that out. Uh, and if you want to do that soon, you can use the code HYD20 for 20% off your first IV. It's seriously incredible service. I still haven't used it. I, I want to save my code for a time when I really need it. And I'm, I've actually been pretty reasonable recently. So that's pretty cool. But uh, check it out. Definitely check it out. Um, it's already a lot cheaper than you'd expect for somebody qualified to stick you with an IV to come stick you with an IV. But you know, it's cool. It's cool. It's it's even better when you get the 20% off. Back to football? I think we should get back to football. Um, Where to even start? So it's been two days of media availabilities that I have been through since our last podcast. Uh, didn't have a Buffs pod yesterday because yesterday was draft pod day with AJ and Andre. If you guys are 
football fans, college football fans want to hear analysis of what's going on all around the country, that's your show. And if you're fans of the draft at this point of the season because your NFL team, shout out the Broncos, is garbage. And you, you want to move on to the point where things get fun again, which is the draft. We break down all the prospects, especially with a little bit of a Broncos angle. Who could the Broncos be into? Um, we did a lot of Joe Burrow talk yesterday. Um, a lot of Davion Taylor talk last week, actually, because he, he's been a monster and he was even more of a monster this week. There's my transition. Tyson Summers today was talking about Davion, talking about how he's been a guy who really stepped up in this scheme. And my goodness, is that man everywhere. Uh, last I checked, Davion was ranked 7th on Mel Kuyper, the the famed ESPN draft analyst ooh, uh, from ESPN's big board, Mel Kuyper's big board, or not big board, uh, his safety list. So he was the number 7 safety in the country. That's huge. And what makes that even huger is that I'm not even sure he's a safety. I don't know what position he's going to be. He's probably an outside linebacker at the next level, but the type of outside linebacker who is almost like a third down specialist, it's the question for him in my mind is what happens with him on first and second down? On third downs, you're confident putting him outside. I think that you know, he, he's still a little raw in coverage, still needs to work on the quickness. He, he easily has the straight line speed to be that kind of guy. He has the size to play linebacker. Question is just whether he can quicken up those feet enough to stick with shifty little receivers. And I think that what the buffs have been doing with him more recently will work well in the NFL. And it's kind of how this whole transition started. You'll remember, uh, let's say, uh, six years ago maybe, when this this whole safety playing linebacker, the safety linebacker hybrid, really took off in the NFL. Um, Tyron Matthew was a big name. Uh, didn't do all that much early on in his NFL career, but he was kind of the catalyst, I think, to teams saying, that's a guy we need. That's a real position in the NFL right now. The, the guy who's a safety first and second down, he has the speed to play on the back end, but on third downs, when you want more speed, you throw him up at linebacker, at inside linebacker, and put him in coverage. And he still has the physicality to play the run game if needed, but he has the speed to not get beat by running backs or tight ends in coverage. That is something where Davion Taylor can really thrive. That is what his strength is. And again, still needs to quicken up those feet. Still needs to sh sharpen his man coverage skills. A lot of the time we're seeing him struggle is against slot receivers when they flex him out in the star position. So that's like the outside linebacker hybrid. Um, we've talked about that a lot. Um, where he does kind of play a cornerback linebacker safety role and play some coverage against receivers. That's going to be a tough matchup for him. But like last week and a couple of the weeks before, we've seen him at the money spot at inside linebacker lined up like behind, like, I don't know, in line. If there was a defensive pocket, he would be in the defensive pocket. Uh, he he's he's primarily working on tight ends where he's looked pretty good i think uh working on running backs he got a senior bowl invite by the way and i was trying i've been trying to talk to him for a couple days yesterday practice ended not early but they do that ghostbuster session where they they have all the old guys like just say like you guys are done you guys are done for the day we're just gonna have the young guys finish things up there's like some miscommunication and uh he was actually gone by the time media availabilities happened. So I didn't get to talk to him yesterday. Today I talked to the Price brothers, uh, Evan Price, who hit the game-winning field goal, uh, Davis Price, the kickoff specialist. Uh, I'm Again, another story I'm excited to write, and I'm just way behind on everything in my life. But uh, where was I going? Oh, yeah, Davion. I would love to talk to him about the Senior Bowl invite. Love to talk to him again about what he's kind of learned this season. I know he'd said during camp that he's been learning a whole bunch about how to cover about all the new positions. And I really do think that this year could help him transition into the NFL because he has been used a bunch of different ways. You know, they'll, they'll line him up as a edge rusher, sort of. They'll line him up as a linebacker, as 
a, a cornerback, honestly, a slot cornerback. Just all these different spots where he's asked to rush a passer, to play the run game, to drop in zone coverage in the middle of the field, to drop in zone coverage on the, I don't know, not really the edges, but outside the hashes, which is a, a different job. Ask him to play man coverage against tight ends who are bigger than him. Ask him to play man coverage against slot receivers who he just has to jam up at the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, they're going to be too shifty for him. He's worked on a bunch of different skills. He's so well-rounded that the question becomes, which of those skills makes him an NFL player? Obviously, he's a great special teams guy. He's so fast. He's, he's big for how fast he is. Very big for how fast he is. You, you could see him on punt coverage. You could see him on kickoff coverage. Easily being one of the top special teams guys for most teams in the NFL. But what does he do defensively? I trust him in zone coverage on third downs. I trust him playing the run in, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll pull the, the draw on third and six and try to pick it up. I trust him in those situations. I don't know if I trust him at linebacker in more standard running situations as a guy who can be, you know, fill holes, beat blocks um, on, the, on the inside guys, on guards and centers. That part... Still have some question marks. What happens in man coverage when he's forced to go up against a guy like, I don't know, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle? Those guys might be stretches because nobody can guard them. But that's going to be the assignment sometimes for a guy like Davion Taylor. And ah, it's it's going to be interesting. He has a bunch of talent. He has so much skill. Just the, the pure athletic ability off the top is something that makes him rare rare it's just figuring out what his best fit is Mel Kuyper has him at safety I almost think more of like a linebacker I think that this transition from linebacker safety hybrids is just going to result in all linebackers being more safety like it will no longer be a hybrid position you don't need to pull your safety down to linebacker all that often because your linebacker is just a three down guy doing that exact job. They're all going to be smaller. You see this with the Rams linebackers. Um, I think that Davion Taylor, there's a good chance that he is the next step in that transition for NFL teams as a guy who fills that role on every down. Uh, that was a lot more Davion Taylor talk than I expected, but I had some, I had some notes Let's move along. You know, Tyson Summers had a lot of good things about the defense. There's to say about the defense today. Obviously, they played well last week. They they only gave up 13 points after 14 straight games of giving up at least 30. That's that's huge. Especially like, you know, this this Stanford offense hasn't been blowing the doors off of anybody this year. But they had KJ Costello back, a quarterback who will be drafted. Um, if it weren't for injuries, I think that he would be drafted pretty highly. They have the big running back, Scarlett, who's been tough to stop for pretty much everybody. Obviously, it's kind of a grinded out team. That, But, you know, the Buffs held them to 13, which is a huge accomplishment. It's something they can build off of. Um, again, the cornerbacks played well. Uh, that's one note that Tyson Summers had defensive line getting a pass rush played well. Um, yeah, I feel like we can move along. Um, also talk to the Price brothers, kind of interesting. We've talked to them at the same time. There was also a reporter, uh, Alyssa No from uh, the, I actually don't know what the paper's called. It's the newspaper in Evergreen where those two are from. They're doing a story on them. And so we like, me and her interviewed the two of them at the same time, and it was like a fun little thing. But what they 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 had some interesting things to say. You know, they both wanted to stick around close to school. Evan wanted to follow his brother. Um, they they kind of talked through that last kick. You know, Davis Price, the older brother, the senior brother, senior kicker, the kickoff specialist, was saying he knew that it was in. They were celebrating on the sideline before we even kick the ball. They knew he had it, um, which is good. I mean, that, that type of confidence is something you want. Davis was hyping Evan up on the sideline before the kick, um, which is pretty cool. And uh, Evan drilled it. First time ever that Evan has hit a game winner um, in, in all of his years as, as a kicker, uh, not just at the collegiate level, but just ever. So that's pretty crazy. 
Um, says his range is right around 55. So that's something good to know. I think that that's that's more than I expected. We'll see how that plays out. Um, because that was kind of my concern. You could tell that he had like the accuracy. He handled the moment well. The game-winning kick didn't go quite as far as I expected it to. I was back behind the end zone, behind the uprights, up on the Colorado thing. Um, but it sounds like he does have the type of range to be a real kicker, which is ex- exciting. He isn't just like a, a college kicker. We needed somebody out there, even though he was a backup. Again, he's still a freshman. Um, James Stefanow, by the way, yesterday we learned is having hip surgery and will miss the remainder of the season. And that's too bad. I thought James was a guy who could potentially go to the NFL next year. You know, at 32, his time is kind of winding down. If that's the route he wants to take kickers have a longer lifespan in the sport of football than most positions than any position, really which means he could play to 40. And that's why teams aren't going to be too scared away by him being a 32-year-old. But he missed a couple of kicks late in his season. Uh, I I asked Mel if that was part of the reason he missed the kicks, whether the hip injury was part of the reason. He said, you know, we don't make excuses. If you're out there, you have to make the play. And he said it longer than that. He added more on, but that was the general sense. So don't really have an answer for you there. But I think if we're speculating, it would be fair to speculate that this is something that he had been dealing with. Um, Having missed a couple of kicks, going through hip surgery, the path to the NFL, not going to be an easy one at this point. I think that this makes it very likely he returns for his senior season at Colorado because he's going to need some more tape if he's really going to try to make this push. And that means Evan's probably on the bench again next year. So that means uh, Evan redshirted last year, played in a couple games, but because of the four-game redshirt rule, that counts as a redshirt. Freshman this year, sophomore next year, he may be the guy as a junior. I think that that, that would be the, the safe bet at this point. He'd be the favorite. I think that that's a lot of what I've learned over the last couple of days. Also had the press conference with uh, the Ralphie manager, John Graves, but I think we pretty much covered Ralphie in that second segment. Uh, Before we move on to your questions, I want to tell you about StravaCraft Coffee. Basically, similar to Vita Mobile IV, the StravaCraft coffee is just like magic in that you just put it in you and then it makes you better. You know, that's kind of tough to just buy into immediately, you know, like, I don't know. It's not that I don't trust the science or the medicine and the science behind it. But when somebody says like, you feel bad, if I shove this in your arm, you're going to feel better. I'm just like, eh, I don't know if that's really going to make that big of a difference, but it totally does. The Strava Craft Coffee, it's the same thing with CBD where it's like, okay, CBD, sure, whatever. But then you try it and you're like, oh, wow, no, everybody else was right and I was just being dumb because that's what science says will happen and it happened. So if you have migraines or arthritis or back pain or anxiety, uh, did I say IBS? I'm, I'm not sure if I said IBS, but I really want to emphasize IBS every time I do this read because, uh, I don't know, it's IBS. CBD is not psychoactive. It's all natural, and it's infused in Strava Craft coffee. The reviews are incredible. You definitely need to check them out. The people at uh, DNVR who use CBD, particularly in Strava Craft coffee, say that it is just important it is very important to their daily routine to make sure that they keep everything in check all of a sudden like your problems just disappear it's magic and sometimes you just have to buy into the magic even if you aren't smart enough like me to understand why any of it actually works if you guys want to try strava craft coffee use the code dnvr20 at checkout and you can save 20 percent It's a great deal. It's great coffee. Even if you just want to try a new coffee, you know, if you're like me and you spend too much money at Starbucks because I, I don't know if let's, let's dig into this. Basically Starbucks has this app 
where they give you stars if you go a lot. And so like there'll be different things. Like last week I was told if I got a cold brew, I got an Americano, I got a snack box, and I got one other thing. I think like a bagel in over the course of like four days or something that I would get a bunch of bonus stars. And also for every purchase you make, you get two stars for every dollar you spend. And then you spend the stars on different things like coffee or, you know, the best deal. And I don't know if they've noticed this is that for 50 stars, you can get your own bagel. Like I always get the everything bagel and then you can get as much cream cheese as you want or avocado spread. I think is that maybe it's peanut. I think it's avocado spread and you just click 50 stars and you don't get charged for any of the extra cream cheese or anything. So it's like a steal. And it's what keeps me going back there. And I just went there again today and I stocked up, but then you get all the stars and it, it kind of gets addictive building up as many stars as you can. And then right now they're starting another thing where it's like, if you just go four days in a row, you get 150 bonus stars. And you're like, well, how could I not do that? It's, an, it's a great deal. Um, but it's a problem. And if I were to just get Strava craft coffee, learn how to make my own coffee, boom, there's a whole bunch more money in my pocket and you can save 20% off your first order, which means it's so much cheaper than anything else. Uh, weird tangent again. I just pounded a massive coffee before this, so I'd be fun. And it's kind of just made it tough for me to focus, to be honest. Uh, also had an everything bag with two cream cheeses. Football, though. Uh, actually, I think the comments today, if I'm remembering correctly, are mostly about basketball. And, oh, I have my phone on low battery mode, so I don't have this page open anymore. Um, do I have anything else I want to say? No, let's just pull this up. Uh, the first comment comes in from see you at Folsom who says it's a bye week. So in a very on brand move, here's another long comment post from me. One, let me save you the time and heartache as a new men's basketball follower. Tad's lack of timeouts to stem opposing teams. Momentum is infuriating. Get used to it. It won't be changing. It is infuriating. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a basketball guy, but as a sports guy, I watch a lot of basketball. Like I watched like 75 Nuggets games last year. Like I've watched a lot, a lot of basketball. You know, I wasn't missing home men's Grizz games or actually women's games. I just covered them. And so it was a little bit different um, last year. I'm so into sports that I will go to wherever there is any sport. Not necessarily because I love basketball. I'm more of like a football guy. That's where I have like a lot of knowledge. That's where I can tell you all about like what a coach is thinking. I can get inside heads, uh, which is why I can get a job like this because I'm not, I, I, I know how things work, which is nice. Um, covering basketball, not something that comes as easily. Like I said, I covered the women's basketball team and I learned a lot about basketball through doing that. And like I have good basketball takes, but I'm at this point, I still see like the the run that they were going on from the bus being up 15 or whatever to 52, 51. That's the one that stands out to me. Like once they pull within one point, how do you not call a timeout? But when I'm sitting there watching, I just also think like, well, I know that that all makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, I definitely trust Tad Boyle more than I trust myself Maybe there's a different way to coach basketball. Maybe there's a different strategy, something I've just never heard of. Thinking about it more, I just don't get it. I don't understand why you would do that. I It doesn't make any sense to me that that would be how you handle that situation. Like, you know, do they, they want them to figure it out on the court themselves. I just don't, I just don't understand. When the other team has momentum, you call the timeout to stop the momentum. Is it about saving the timeout for later in the game? If there's like, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't want to use the phrase strategic timeout late in the game because I think that it's a strategic timeout to also, uh, it's a, it's also strategic to call the timeout to stop the run. But there's like the, we need to drop a play type of timeout. Like the, this is an actual like use of a timeout. And I wonder if he gets too bogged down in that, like trying to save the timeout for when we can draw up a play, it would have been lovely though for them to just draw up a play to stop that run. Like get the momentum, collect your heads, make a sub if you want. You know, I 
so frustrating. So frustrating. They're actually back from China and I'm about to head out to, uh, to where am I going? Oh yeah, Montana. That's right. For that, uh, football game. So I'm not going to have a chance to talk with anybody until after they play San Diego this weekend, which again is another game that I'm pretty upset. I mean, I'm not totally missing it cause I'll still get to watch it, but I want to be there. I want to, I want to, I don't know. I want the energy inside of me. Um, but I am still excited to get to ask Tad Boyle, like, what is that about? Why? Because I just did a whole bunch of speculating about why it could be, but I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Um, I'm, I am glad that that's something that you guys think is weird too, and I'm not just like crazy. But uh, he continues. Second, uh, also, those bad turnovers you referred to, get used to that too. The Buffs have a way of committing three to seven more turnovers than they should, especially in full court pressure. That's uh, interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, you'd think that with a guard like McKinley Wright, the full court press shouldn't affect them as much because you have a trustworthy ball handler. You have somebody who should be able to take the ball up, you know, obviously it's going to affect you. Obviously anybody is going to have more turnovers when they're pressed, but there are a lot of basketball teams that have worse point guards who should be affected much more than McKinley Wright is. So that surprises me to hear that that causes them an issue that's worth noting given the personnel that they have. Um, Turnovers are frustrating, though. Three to seven more turnovers than they should. I wonder if some of that stems from the type of offense that they were kind of running late last season. We got to see a little bit of against Arizona State, which is that free-flowing, move the ball, move your feet, get everybody working constantly. Like, it's all about motion. Just confuse the defense until they make a mistake. That that does lead to more turnovers. Obviously there are more passes, but also it means like you're not taking that first shot. You're not running down the court and shooting up a pull-up three. You aren't driving to the rim and shooting the ball with, you know, 25 seconds on the shot clock. You're working the clock. You're spending more time with the ball in your hands. You're dominating tempo. I would guess that the turnover numbers are high. I don't know. Thank you for letting me know though, because I would like to, I, I will be keying in on that now. Um, the final point is, it may sound like I'm bashing Tad, but I love him still, and I would argue with any non-CU fan on these same points. He's our Tad, only we can criticize. Hashtag roll Tad. I love it. And see, like that's something that, I don't know, I really love about sports, where it's, like we had this conversation, this company discussion last night, yesterday, uh, with uh, about Gary Harris, the Nuggets guard, where it's like, yeah, He's been garbage this year. He's been so bad. I think last night he shot two of twelve. It's it's infuriating. If if you guys don't follow the Nuggets, like two years ago, he was the the best shooting shooting guard in the NBA. Led all shooting guards, including like Clay Thompson, prime Clay Thompson. That was one of those big years for the Warriors in three point percentage. Like he was just knocked down when he was open, and he's been struggling, and it's been frustrating. And I have my roommate who says, why do you guys even have him? You need to move him. He's terrible because he didn't grow up watching the Nuggets. Like this is new to him seeing this. And I say, no, he's 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 incredible. You you don't even understand. He's one of the best shooting guards in the league. But then when, when I'm talking with everybody who I know is big on the Nuggets, is big on Gary Harris, we can say like, wow, this is trash. One of the cool parts of sports. Only we can bash our teams. Uh... Next comment, uh, I think only two. Yes, second of two comments. Sunny Rain, Mel Tucker is a bad man. Imagine beating Saban, Orgeron, Kirby Smart, and Les Miles to Ashad Clayton after they had the head start recruiting the guy. This commit had to be a bit more salt in the wound for Nick Saban, coming off the huge loss to LSU. Yeah, that's a uh, that's awesome. That's that's. Exactly it right there. Like Colorado just beat all those teams for a recruit. Is that the same as being them on the field? No, but it's the type of things that can lead to beating teams like that on the field in the future when you do this enough times, when you make this more consistent, not like this 
five years from now, if we're all saying, oh, yeah, we, we signed that four-star running back. We signed one of the best running backs in the country. Cool. And, you know, it'll always be exciting. But when we aren't freaking out about it for days on end, that means that the buffs have made it. And that day is coming. Right now, it's still an upset for sure to be pulling a guy like Ashad Clayton out of the grasp of, like you said, Nick Saban, Ed Orgeron, Kirby Smart, Les Miles. Like to be able to beat those guys in recruiting is awesome. But being able to beat them consistently recruiting or like at least make it competitive is what makes your football team competitive. I mean, obviously there's like that lag period, three, four years before they actually become a dude for your program. And this year's recruiting class isn't going to make Colorado one of the best teams in the country. It was a very good recruiting class for this Colorado team. And, you know, four years from now, if all these guys pan out, they could be one of the best in the Pac-12. They could be competing for a top 25 ranking. They'll be making a bowl game. That's the type of class this is. But the classes need to keep improving. And when that happens, you're going to be beating these guys more often. And it won't be so exciting. Huge win, though. Huge win. Kind of like kind of like last night. Evansville beats Kentucky in basketball. Kentucky number one. Evansville 0-33 on the road against ranked opponents ever. Uh, that's a huge win. And they celebrated. And, you know, they're, they're like spraying water on the coach when he gets into the locker room. All that kind of stuff. You'd much rather be in a position where you're like, oh, beat Kentucky? Yeah, it's cool. Of course we're excited, but that's just one step. And that's, that's the, the corner has to be turned this way, you know, by getting one or two of these guys as a huge upset and then to getting them a little more consistently to being a real competitor. I have no doubt I'm on the, that the buffs are on that track. Uh, he continues, if, if left up to Mel Tucker, it won't be the last time some, hope, some high-profile program is feeling the sting in recruiting. I can't wait to see Mel's next big catch. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure who the next like massive name is. Sounds like there are a couple more recruits on the way. Maybe not a Shaw Clayton recruits, but guys who are going to be contributors sooner rather than later. Um, I'm really excited about it. There's definitely one more coming in the next few days. Should be another one coming in the next week, week and a half, two weeks. And that's cool. Uh, continues, I'd love to see Mel come on late and snatch away SoCal inside linebacker Justin Flo from Oregon, Georgia, Clemson, and Alabama. That would rock the recruiting world big time. Probably won't happen, but Mel is that kind of guy. That'd be huge. That'd be so huge. There aren't many high school football players whose names I know. You know, I, I usually like, I, I see Colorado's into this guy and I have to go like look it up. Antonio Alfano was one of the guys whose name I knew before the Colorado interest really got big, which is cool that he actually came to Colorado. But uh, Justin Flo, the linebacker, is one of those guys whose name I read, and I was like, oh yeah, Justin Flo, we know him. He is that good of a recruit. Uh, I just went back through and looked at the rankings. Obviously, number one inside linebacker in the country, uh, fifth-ranked prospect overall in the entire country, something like a 9-8 rating, 9-6 rating, something like that. Incredible, incredible prospect. I don't know how Mel would jump in and get him, I don't think that that's something that's likely by any means. Maybe there's some hype somewhere in the, in a corner of an internet that he could be a guy that the buffs are into. Like the buffs offered him, but there hasn't been any news on that. The, at least that I've heard of. I haven't heard anybody from inside the program bring him up as a guy who could be a a, a realistic target, but he'd be huge. And that would rock the recruiting world. Um, of course, linebacker, especially a linebacker like him, uh, again, elite prospect. Of course, he has all the tools that you would ask for, but he could be a real stud as a cover linebacker, and that's what the buffs are missing. They have a couple of tacklers, and that's why Davion Taylor spent more time at linebacker because they need somebody who can cover there. Worked beautifully against Stanford, by the way. And if they could have a real linebacker, that's, that's what the Mel Tucker system relies upon. They, they put stress on that inside linebacker. 
Uh, you can go back through the whole list of linebackers he's coached. Um, Roquan Smith being a recent name of a guy who held down a big chunk of the middle of the field and did it very well. Obviously, he can contribute in the run game, can rush a passer, all that kind of stuff. But but that's the question that the Buffs need to answer right now is who can be the guy that we put in the middle of the field and don't just get torched by opposing tight ends and running backs? Davion Taylor, ever since they've spent more time with him in that role, has has really looked good. He's gone after this year, though, and you know what? Two games left. Colorado could make a bowl game. It's probably a stretch. They'd have to beat a ranked opponent on the, on the road in Utah to end the season, but still on the table, still the goal. You're not going to catch anybody inside that program saying that's what they're not what they're trying to do. Looking to the future, though, they need somebody to to cover inside in the middle of the field. Justin Flo would be an immediate solution to that problem. Immediate solution. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can speak it into existence. We don't talk about many recruits here, but the recruits that we have talked about have all chosen Colorado. That's exciting. Um, so let's all just send positive vibes toward Justin Flo and see if we can convince him. Uh, he'd obviously be, be massive. Okay. Um, I think that that's it for today in terms of things that I want to talk about, things that you guys want to talk about. Again, if, if there's anything you guys want to talk about on the show, you have thoughts, you have questions, um, whatever, Put a comment in the comment section for today's post. I'm not sure. This will probably be named something about Davion Taylor. He spent a lot of time on him. Um, You have to be a a member of DNVR. If you aren't a member and want to sign up, use the promo code Hank, and I get points in the company contest. And uh, yeah, then then you can read all the content. And I think there's going to be quite a bit coming in the next couple days. I'm kind of backloaded on terms of like information that I need to get out. Um, it's just finding a time to actually get everything done. Okay. Uh, that's everything. Leave your thoughts, your questions in the comment section. We'll get to them on Thursday's podcast, tomorrow's podcast, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to be taping at Denver International Airport as I wait for my flight. Just going straight from Boulder to the airport. Um, yeah, be on location. Maybe we can get Lindsay DNVR to, uh, Hook, hook up some sort of DIA sponsorship. Maybe they'll pay us for me doing it there and I'll hype it up. Maybe. That's it for today. That's all I've got for you guys. Um, I will talk to you tomorrow. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get
revival. Get them thugs, get them bust, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them when we see them. Then we have them. like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it, play. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 